What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's ubnradio.com. Show. Did I come in too early? Uh-huh. See, see, I have to check on the engineer because everybody knows I'm not all the way there. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not all the way there. I don't even know why I'm sitting here because I have all these great guests that should be sitting in the seat before me. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. Uh, I was on the East Coast there a little bit, and Carolyn was here. Miss Wilkins was here taking on the show last week. And I want to thank you guys for the emails and text messages that I got. You guys are really good. I've been getting some good stuff, but, you know, you guys beat up on me every now and again, too. So, and I like that. Keep that criticism coming. Keep all of the good stuff coming. I need it all. I need it all. I need it all. Oh, wow. We got a wonderful guest in the house today, and I talked to you a little bit about that. First of all, uh, some sadness. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news out there. I want to send our love and condolences out to the officers that has suffered the murders and, and that has been killed. Because right now, uh, I think there's a manhunt going on for the officer that was called G.I. Joe. And I want to send our love and the, uh, prayers out to the family and the sons. I could imagine how hard that would be that, you know, you send your husband out and your father going out there and uh, to try to make a difference in the world and then end up being murdered. I don't know all of the circumstances behind it, so I won't get into that. I'll leave that for the proper authorities, but I just want to send my love out there for that. And, um, you know, it's really sad to report these officers killing. Uh, my family, I have policemen and officers in my family, and we all need our officers. We need the police department. We need to work with them. And the police officer in Texas that was uh, murdered and and I think they, they said that the gentleman had some mental issues, and therefore mental health in America is going to come, got to come into play in our conversations. But nevertheless, that the officer was shot in the back, and and you know our love and prayers goes out to that family, and to the police department altogether. I I just want to say this to the police department as an African American male. We have had our backs against the wall, and you know, and so everybody is coming out with their opinions, and everybody, and a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear out there on both parts. You have a lot of uh, regular citizens that now fears the police department. You have the police department now fearing the, res the, the, the regular citizens of this country. And I think the danger is that we have to be careful before we go into this us-against-them mentality because there's no winning for either side if this country is split between citizens and police department. This cannot happen in a democratic country. Uh, and, ha and having said that, and I'm listening to the news, and I'm, now I'm hearing people turn this on Black Lives Matter. And black lives does matter. And everybody know that we're not saying black ma lives matter and other lives don't. But we are the we have been the target for so many years, over four hundred years. A red bull's eye target has been on our back, round our necks, around our wrists, and shackles on our ankles. 
And then when we push back and say we do not want abuse, we just want equal opportunities, we want equal justice, but we do not want murdering innocent cops, good policemen out here that is doing their job, and we do not want the police department killing innocent citizens, regardless of their black, white, male, female. And having said all of this, we are going into a consciousness now, and I want to introduce you to a young lady. Now, I may have started out a little bit heavy, but it's heavy on my mind, it's heavy on my heart, and I think that we have to start this conversation and this dialogue between the citizens of America, and we got the politics coming in. We got the um, the re, we 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 have the presidential politics that is coming into play now. So it's so much on the table now. And when you're looking at the globe, I'm thinking, uh, my God, how some of the people are exiting from Syria now, when Europe is being bombarded with an overflow. It's just violence and violence all over the world. And somehow there has to be a shift in the consciousness of human beings on this planet that we have been so blessed with, and it's enough for everybody. But um, And now what the reason I want to bring this in like this is that I have a young lady sitting here with us, and her name is, and get this, I love saying this. You know you guys know how I just mess up everybody's name. But this one I can get, Sandy Hart. Well done. Sandy, give us an applause. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sandy has uh, is working with a group or company or organization is called Compassion Game. Am I correct? That's right. And uh, tell us about Compassion Game and does it apply to some of what I just opened with? It applies to all that you just opened with. As a matter of fact, you you said it best when you said there's a lot of fear in the world, and there are two motivating factors in our in our, in our world: fear and love. We're either motivated by fear, we're motivated by love. And clearly, right now, with all the tensions in the world, with all the the, the division and politics and and the, and the issues of the climate and and restorative justice and uh, just about any safety net issue that threatens our community um, is threatened right now we're in a lot there's a lot of tension out in the world and and it's fear that drives us it's fear that drives us to to uh respond gracefully to respond okay. through compassion so to answer your question the compassion games were inspired um when karn after karn armstrong actually um received a ted prize for her wish to create a better world. Okay. She received a hundred thousand dollar TED price, and and with that she wrote. Now give us pronounce her name again because I don't know. Uh, uh, Karen Armstrong. So people can look up. Yeah, K A R E N Armstrong A R M S T R O N G. Okay. She's a, a world renowned theologian. She's written a lot of books. She's an expert on Islam. She was a, a she claims a very bad nun, uh, <laughs> and uh, so she. And through all of her writings um, and through her deep wisdom, she realized what the world really needed right now was to restore compassion to the center of religion. That was her initiating mm. impulse to, to go for this prize, to write this charter for this broad-scale um, approach. And what happened was, and she actually put it out to the community, the global community, to help her write it. And this was then completely, you know, brought down to four what I think are impeccable paragraphs called the Charter for Compassion. Hmm. And you can find the Charter for Compassion at charterforcompassion.org. Well, tell the artists a little mm -hmm. bit about Charter for Compassion. You know, you go into what, how much detail you decide to, but I, I want to mm -hmm. hear a little bit about that. Well, the Charter Com for Compassion, like I said, it was written by citizens from all over the world world and just brought down to its basic basic core value of bringing bringing compassion back to the center of our world bringing it to the center of our hearts bring it to the center of our decision making of our politics of all the decisions that affect mm -hmm. us as a society as a human race and therefore affects our culture let me ask you a question because i think that's very interesting when you said that fear is at uh, I wouldn't say root or basis of, of a lot of the, the issues that's going on out there. Talk a little bit about what, mm -hmm. what do you see the fear as? Well, r rather than look what's happening with these shootings, you know, we've got our armor up, right? We've got our armor up and we are, it's us against them. You said it best. Mm -hmm. It's us against them. And it's fear of being a victim. 
Therefore, we're oh, going to protect okay. ourselves. It's fear of, of uh, you know, we're, we're rushing to judgment on so many things because we're in survival mode. You know, this is yes, our biological we, we, innate behavior to be in survival mode. And so we put up barriers. It's fight or flight in tendencies. Absolutely. How did you get into this? <laughs> Tell us about, about, about you. Oh, I'm really happy to share that. Um, in 1982, I was 21 years old, so you don't have to do the math. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 54 and proud. Um, and um, I, I went to the Peace Sunday, 1982 at the Rose Bowl, 100,000 people there. Mm for the uh, nuclear nonproliferation rally. And it was a celebrating the 50th, an I'm sorry, the 30th anniversary of the United Nations signing of the Declaration of Nuclear Nonproliferation. And I was also going there because it was, it was a crazy concert. It was an all-day festival concert really? with everyone who was relevant since the 60s to 1982 was there. And, um, and so... And speakers and everyone who was relevant on the scene of climate change, of, of non-nuclear proliferation, and uh, everything in between, human rights, how, whatever. And so um, just something struck me. I, find, I felt immediately like I was a global citizen. It was the first time that I felt like I was a global citizen. And, um, and so I that's felt That's a lot one. of push. I'm only cutting, but that's a lot of push out there now where I keep seeing a lot of advertisement about global citizen. Mm. Well, we have to start thinking of ourselves that way. We are one global family. We're yeah. one human family. We're brothers and sisters, and we yes. have to start caring for one another that way. Oh, before I, before I forget, uh, Carolyn and Lynn, uh, what's his last Leland name? Leland Stewart. Leland Stewart is going to be. It's going to join us in a little bit. So when it come in, it won't be such a shock to the cameras. Like, oh, where did they come from? They'll be in here in a minute. They're outside, actually outside the studio uh, uh, mic right now going over some technical stuff for us. But anyway, going back to the, um, and they'll be here in a minute, going back to the, the, the global citizen, I think that is a really, really unique way now that we can start, uh, people start grab that and look at it because that makes sense. We it makes sense. Other. Yeah, we need one another. We need, I, I need to be your protector and you need to be my protector. Um, we need to care for one another as if we are living on the same planet. Yes. What a novel idea. Yeah, you know, what? What? how can people get involved with mm -hmm. um, Compassion Games? So, so what I was talking about earlier was the Charter for Compassion and how that inspired mayors and citizens to come together to uh, create working groups to uh, bring the Charter for Compassion to the center of their cities. And they um, have, there's some 300 cities of compassion around the mm. world. Really? The U.S. Conference of Mayors in 2013 affirmed compassion as good public policy. So while it sounds fluffy, you know, it's, it's light language. It's soft language, compassion. But it's very powerful. It's, we call it heavy lifting with a light heart, the work we can do with <laughs> compassion. And so the mayor of Louisville, Mayor um, Greg Fisher, who has got a model city of compassion, received an award from the very first city of compassion in the world, Seattle. And upon receiving that award, he accepted it by saying his city of Louisville was the most compassionate city in the really? world until proven otherwise. So the folks in Seattle were like, game on, let's prove it. So they both put their weeks of community service um, in the ring, if you will, added mm. point value system to it, and that was the beginning of the compassion games. Well, what was the passion um, mm. in you to get you? What struck that or lit yeah. that fire in you? Well, I was a, I am a community builder in Orange County, California, with a women's interfaith organization called Sarah, and we had our we were going into our fifth annual weekend of community service. We were already mobilizing a thousand people out to a hundred different service projects. We were already you know, everybody in our community already knew the drill. And uh, and I wasn't about to add the Compassion Games right away because, you know, it was still young and new, and we mm -hmm. really didn't know how our community would respond. So all we did was we added the point value system to it. Because for me, I just, it was so creative. You know, it was putting people in a place of play. And when you're in a place of play, you forget that you're in fear, right? Yeah. You've got teammates oh, I like now, that. right? Yes. And so this was the dynamic that was sort of kind of bubbling up in me. And I'm like, oh, we got to bring this to Orange County. So um, we, not only did our community embrace it, but 
we doubled our volunteerism almost overnight and five wow. new organizations. And we were working with faith-based organizations, m- churches and mosques and synagogues and centers and so on. And so what we did was we organized them by their place of worship. So the mosque and the synagogue and the Baha'i Center and all the, and the different churches. Yeah, re- re- respecting a person for where they are in their life and working from that point. Yeah, and so now they're co-op-a-teating. They're not competing. Who oh. can be the most compassionate? And I'll tell you right here on the air, the mosques were in it to win it. They had a lot. Of, they were they're like, in it to win they it. They were that in is, it to I win it. And, and we all know love wins. Love hey, wins. come on now. Right? Tell, tell us. You, you, <laughs> now, you, you, <laughs> so we. I, I love this because I got somebody that's going to say, oh, Larry, I knew they was going to be talking about love today. Because mm-hmm. I had the conversation uh, with someone here uh, on my way here, and we were talking about um, how you were going to, and the guest was going to put love into this. Tell us where the love is needed here. Tell us about that. Oh, where is love not needed? Wait a minute. Oh, here they come. Where is love not needed? Uh, come on in. Here's we, love right now, we, we, walking we, in the room. Come, come, come on in. The, and, and, the picture and, of love. They, they, they have been out taking care of a lot of, lot of stuff for us. The, you, you, Carolyn, uh, would you would you help him because we're live? We got to bring these young people in, so 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 you guys can see that there is activity going on here. I know I look like I'm standing in this room all by myself, but guess what? I'm not. I got lots of company, lots of good stuff, and so um, Carolyn, we were just talking about. Uh, I just asked this great question about the, the power of love. Now, what we're going to be talking about. Okay, now that we got everybody situated here, we, we're on air, so we got to keep moving. We're right in the middle of a conversation. So you was just making a statement about where love is not needed kind of where, thing. Who doesn't need love? What mm-hmm. condition does not require love? Love is the and so you 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 say we're coming from right now you're seeing the nation and so many mm-hmm. globally people coming from a, a position of fear mm-hmm. we're all, all we're in this fight or flight kind of thing and so then we we have to kind of lean on love well yeah I'd like to speak to that because please as the, the general public persona would have it yeah we're in a place of fear. But I beg to differ, actually. The Compassion Game says a compassion map where we're seeing so many people reporting their compassion. The, the problem is that we don't speak out enough about our compassion and our kindness and our love in the world. It does outbalance the fear and the destruction and the hatred. That's not to discount the pain and suffering right. that we're seeing all around us. Well, it's not I, I think what you're speaking right. to basically is media coverage. We don't yes, get the sir. coverage of all the, all the, all the compassion. That's so... Right. Uh, Look, let's welcome Carolyn in the house. Welcome, Thank you. Carolyn. Glad to be here. And uh, introduce this young man with you there. <laughs> this is uh, Reverend Leland P. Stewart. Uh, he is the founder and the director of the Unity and Diversity World Council that was started here in Los Angeles many years ago in 68, right? 65. 65. So he'll talk more about that shortly, but... Uh, Leland and UDC are celebrating the 50th anniversary of their organization. Oh, so wow. It's fa- quite fascinating. Wow. Let me get some, that's, let me that's get some applause, applause over yeah. there on that one. Uh, and uh, welcome. I'm so glad you're here and um, bring you guys up to the date on how I got started. I started out talking about, you know, apologizing, not apologizing for the murder and and of the cops and, and sending out our love and uh, to the the uh, officers that has been murdered, mm-hmm. and with so much um, friction that's going on in the communities and stuff, and and then I, I talked about we must have compassion for the the officers that give their life to protect us, mm-hmm. and also that you know we as a community want protection as well. We don't want to live in a world as us against them. The the community and the officer must come together. We must work together. There's no way a uh, democratic society can work if the if our police department and the citizen become a us against them. Right. And then she talked about uh, compassion gain and bringing us up to the fact that people are working and functioning out of fear and pain and suffering. So 
and that's kind of where we are right now. Would you like to comment on that, Carolyn? Or uh, I would. The I agree with Sandy, and Sandy, thank you so much for being here. The the world, if you stop and talk to people, you find that we all have many things in common. But we don't always take the time to just hanker down, sit still, uh, sometimes even traveling through airports where you have two and three hours to wait. You don't necessarily see people talking to each other. They're reading papers, they're reading books, they're texting, they're doing emails. And um, the art of conversation, I think, is missing as well as... um, just the art of empathy. And it is there. But I think we have to remind ourselves to look up. To look up, to pay attention, to look around us and actually see we're sitting next to someone that has a pulse. <laughs> someone they who, actually, who they, is, you know, yes, who, I agree. Who is vibrant. You don't know the stories. I always get so tickled just driving up here with Leland and we were talking about him coming to Hollywood and many years ago. And just in the time that we were together, I learned so much more about him and we've known each other for years and years and years. <laughs> so Leland, t- tell us what's on your mind. Give us your comment on, on, on the topic that we're talking about, the spirit of people and what we need to do. Right. Well, we're, we have an annual Peace Sunday, which is, has been going on for many years. It started before the turn of the century, but before that, we had a, an international cooperation festival goes back to the beginning of this organization in 1965, which was, by the way, the United Nations International Cooperation Year. And so we've been concerned about the well-being of people and getting different races and cultures and religions. We work with many different religions and try to get them to talk to each other. This whole interfaith movement, which is uh, at the time my wife and I came to California, that word wasn't around. <laughs> and uh, so we, we got introduced to interfaith cooperation right from the start of being here in, in Southern California. And uh, we did a, a festival of faith in Claremont in just around that time, and it, we had 2,000 people at the Bridges Auditorium in Claremont. That was sort of our introduction to California. So we've been at that ever since, and uh, <laughs> so we happy to see the changes. I, I, I really love your mind. You have a very strong mind, and I appreciate that. And, and, and tell us some of the changes that you've seen. Let's focus on some good changes. You, you, you've seen a few changes right. in the world. Right. Tell me some of the good changes. We know about some of the bad changes. <laughs> help, us, help us to focus in on some of the good changes. Well, at this point in my life, I have three books that I have uh, developed. And the first one was World Scriptures. And so what I'm finding is that more and more people are changing their attitude. I grew up in a Protestant church. And while it wasn't uh, a negative kind of thing, it mm. was, you know, definitely Christianity. And when I ran a, introduced to a lot of other churches, I got the impression that a good share of Christians were thinking they're the only really important <laughs> ones around and everybody else the real ones. something <laughs> else. And uh, so my ministry has been to help people to you know, appreciate each other. And I also do teaching in the LAUSD. And so I, every time I have a chance, I bring out the books and uh, I try to get people to, you know, respect each other regardless of where their own particular faith is, that they realize that they're not the only ones around. So that's been a kind of a lifetime work. Now, you know, I'm, I am seeing for... Uh, I have saw a decline in at one point in my life of people going into spirituality and church and um, institution of spirituality, uh, right. whatever. And do you see 
a rise in that now? Do you see people breaking away from it, or do you see people coming closer to well, it? Well, there was an article in the LA Times recently saying that religion was on the decline. And my answer to that is, you're not looking in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think the, I think the small print said spirituality was on the incline. So people are not defining themselves as being associated with a particular religion. But they still believe that there's something, uh, power, um, uh, something that they can have faith in. Oh, right. Like yeah, the, the terminology's the changing. The terminology's <laughs> changing. Right. And people, and uh, especially young people, uh, are not so interested in going and sitting in any one place for an hour, hour and a half, depending on what church you go to. Could be three hours. <laughs> Sandy, you was about so, to say something? Uh -huh. Oh, uh, no, I mean... Thank you for saying mm -hmm. that's a great question. You know, what is the measurement between belief and action and how has that mm -hmm. changed over the years? And I asked some young people at an interfaith conference up in Toronto not too long ago, what's the difference between your generation mm -hmm. and my generation? And they said, you know, the difference between us is, first of all, secularism is on the rise. There is Pew, Pew studies that say that the, the fastest growing identity of religion is none. People are marking the yes. none box. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. you're right. Thank you, Reverend Caroline, because it is because that spirituality is on the incline. We're realizing that that human connection is uh, is so powerful. Mm -hmm. we're, we're feeling it. It's that tension that you mentioned earlier in the world mm -hmm. that's creating that that mm -hmm. understanding we need one another. We're, right. But um, so, yeah, so the, not only, so the difference between their generation and my generation, three of them actually responded almost the same, is that they're needing quick responses. They, they want to go in <laughs> and make an impact and know that and see it before their eyes. Mm -hmm. We come from a generation, mm -hmm. and I'm a few years younger than Leland, <laughs> but I still consider myself... Um, you know, as an interfaith activist, um, been doing this for only 15 years, um, but uh, with so much more to learn. But even my generation of doing this work, it's like, well, you know, it's one heart at a time, you know, one right. one step at a time, one dialogue at a time. And the young people are like, no, we need to see response. They want to see results. They want to see results. They want to see it in their face. And they want to know that they're building a better future. Because I think, you know, I think we all feel it's an all hands on deck time right now. We yeah. all have to turn this ship around right. and move the needle well you know i know that, that's a good point because you know you I'm, I'm the devil's advocate here so you guys had to correct me here because I, I i look at faith and i look at religion and i know how important it is and i know that how important it is for some people to draw the lines in the sand i'm muslim i'm christian i'm jewish i'm this and and then then there's the spirituality that connects it all and i think the young people have seen us let drop the ball in this country. We have dropped the ball at some point. All of us has played a part in dropping the ball. And then as we drop the ball, we're still trying to tell these young people how to carry the ball or pick the ball up. Why should the young people have to pick the ball up? They shouldn't have to pick the ball up. We should be handing it off to them. But we have dropped the ball. So anytime we tell young people, you got to pick the ball up in life and go with it. But that says to me, I'm being a devil's advocate. We dropped the ball. <laughs> Larry, there's actually, I just learned this, that indigenous wisdom um, sees that our young people are the wise ones. Our culture thinks that we're the wise ones. Yeah, like Who that. has it right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing about that. Well, the, well there's many cultures. Yeah. And I think the uh, wisdom comes from all because when you look in the face of a newborn baby, they come with love. They're just instant love bugs. And we react to them with love. So they have the wisdom of being who they are. And that's all they're here to do is be who they are. So to me, a great deal of wisdom as we have gotten older is letting go of the pretense of who we think we're supposed to be. And the wisdom comes in finally just accepting who we are and maybe even focusing on something that was in our heart many years ago. And so often in workshops I've done and in uh, programs I've done with people, some of the earliest memories they have of what they want it to be is what's still in their heart, is planted mm -hmm. in their heart. And so the wisdom keeps coming out from the years of doing things, following dreams, 
having families, having spouses, having people in their lives because they were supposed to do it. Well, you know, the, th- it's a, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, the thing that gets, gets me, and I, once again, is the, I'm doing the devil's advocate here, is that we come from generation where everybody, almost every conversation you see, it doesn't matter whether it's religion, whether it's politics, or whether it's about the, the ongoing game, everybody's fighting over right and wrong. And everybody wants to be right. When we're, whenever we sit down at the table, everybody's fighting to be right. And I think that sometimes is as we get older and shift consciousness shift, if we just stop trying to be right all the time, then sometimes we can listen to the person that is speaking to us. Even if we disagree, sometimes there's a message in that uh, disagreement or in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that's where some of the wisdom comes is learning how to just shut up. <laughs> how to right. how to actually be in a space with other people and let everybody be who they are. Reverend, you was about to say uh-huh. something, Mr. Leland, there? Well, yeah, I think that uh, I would sort of go... What the major change is, it seems to me, is the change from... I'm right and you're wrong kind of thing to let's talk about it and let's try yes. to understand what our differences mm-hmm. are. This idea of unity and diversity, which is the name of our organization, is very important. The tendency is to focus on the unity and not pay attention to the diversity, mm-hmm. but you don't really get to the unity unless you accept <laughs> the fact that every one of us mm-hmm. has differences. Yes, absolutely. Differences of race, differences of culture, mm-hmm. differences of religion, and a lot of other things. So, w- w- at one level, we are one, and sp- what we use as phrase is spirit is one, paths are many. But the paths are many gets lost very easily, and uh, therefore the unity is is not quite as strong as it could be. And that's the ch- change that I think is more and more going on now, mm-hmm. out of necessity. And, uh, you know, I go back saying I, I, I see a lot of good out there. I really do. And, 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 and it has to be from the work of, of people like yourselves that's, that believe. And that mm-hmm. is not just believing it but out doing the work. I see how much work Carolyn put in. And I'm listening to, right. I mean, 50 years mm-hmm. that you have been involved in this. I mean, my goodness. You, <laughs> although you just got started, I mean, that's, you know, it's just a few days. <laughs> and in the... Um, you know, compassion game. Let me ask you a question about compassion game. Why do they call it compassion game? Well, the compassion games are the antidote to the hunger games. And it was just out of the playful spirit of what happened, how it all transpired, how the games were um, were developed out of a friendly challenge. And so the fact that it's a game is really important to understand mm-hmm. that it's about play, that it's about us being team members together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. about us not being fearful of the other, but being, but knowing that my compassion is bound up in your compassion and my compassionate action affects you. And uh, your problems are interrelated to mine and our solutions are interrelated too. Mm-hmm. And so being in a game, like I said earlier, is about being in a place of playfulness. I think, you know, the reason I like that and it would you know, I'm sure many people have asked that question because I saw in my gen- my generation came up and what our government and our powers that be calling everything, just going to war on everything, just conditioning us. I mean, I was conditioned as a child and as a young man all the way up into the last couple of years. It was war on poverty. It was war on crime. It was war on drugs. It was, I mean, I mean, geez, everything was about war, war, war. And then when a country said, "Well, let's go to war," and everybody said, "Oh yes," I mean, why do you? What do you expect? So I, (laughs) very good. You like that, (laughs) right? I rather promote compassion games. Yeah, and I like that <laughs> compassion game. That's an game. antidote. Yeah, you know, because everybody can identify with that. So, Sandy, in the earlier portion, which we weren't here for, I, I acknowledge, uh, did you tell people what the four steps are? Oh, the four steps to playing in the compassion games. The first step is to commit to play. And the most common question I get, how do you play? 
And the answer is, what are you already doing? Mm. Do that out loud. And and um, and if you don't know what to do or you want to do more, the Compassion Games has a lot of additional ways to play on the website. And the, the website's CompassionGames.org. The second way to play is, well, I mean, the second step is after you commit and you go out and do your compassionate action. The international games are played between September 11th and September 21st from uh, 9-11, uh, Day of uh, Remembrance and uh, Service and, and Remembrance, National Service and Remembrance, which was actually institutionalized by President Obama, um, brought to by uh, 911day.org uh, mm. and My Good Deed organization. So shout out for them. They're amazing. We just partnered with them. So 911day.org is a great site. You can go put your compassion there, too. Um, and um, and so between 9-11 and International Day of Peace, which is September 21st, and those are 11 days of global unity. And so in those 11 days, teams are formed or individuals show up with their compassion. And it's like a thunderclap of compassion. We want to bring everybody out into the streets in love in the love fest of compassion. In the love fest. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to add something and, to that? And the following, <laughs> and the next step is to report. Report your compassion. Come to the compassion map, which is right there on the website. And that's really important. And the reason why, that kind of com that completes the hoop, uh, the loop of the hoop mm -hmm. and the loop, the circular mm -hmm. um, expression of compassion where you're doing the compassion, but now you're coming and you're, you're going to let the world know. Because when you report, it shows up on the map. Okay. And you also have an opportunity to reflect. And if you've ever journaled before, and you know the stuff that just pours right out of your hand and mm -hmm. your fingertips that you ever imagine, start reflecting on the compassion map. It's quite powerful. And the fourth step is to repeat. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and you can challenge people. You there's it's really easy to go on, register, play, challenge your friends. There's some you know it's really easy to do on the website. And let me ask you kind of a silly question, but do you find that um, the, the I'm curious about that shout it out mm -hmm. kind of mentality after after you've done something compassionately. Because we've been programmed for so many generations or different cultures are programmed that if you do something good, don't say anything about it. It's, let mm -hmm. it speak for itself. That's right. That's right. And I hear that mm -hmm. a lot, and that's perfectly fine. You can, you can report anonymously. But yeah. let's get that word out. Not no, I'm, I'm agreeing with yeah. you. I, I, I think that's, this, I think that there, it should be a shift. Because if we don't start to share some of the good deeds that is going on more, we mm -hmm. should share more of the blessings, more of the miracles, those that believe in miracles. Share some of the miracles. Share some of this good, this good fuel that's, that's going around out here because we're going to be bombarded with the negative. And if we are not the one that's going to respond back with some of the positive that, that we ourselves are doing or the community is doing, then that's our fault. Because we're going to be bombarded. I'm repeating it again. Right. You're going to get beat down with what is negative. Mm -hmm. So join hands and shout it out loud. I've done something good today, you know. Please do. Please do. And not only are you um, filling the airwaves and the Internet waves with the compassion in the world, but you're showing models of what compassionate action looks like. And, and our teams share what they're doing, and they're, they're inspired by one another. On one of our weekly calls, somebody was saying, oh, I just wish people on the freeway would drive with compassion. And another team member in Atlanta came up with the idea of driving with compassion as a game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're all inspiring each other. This is where you get in the place of play, and this is where it's really necessary for everybody to show up with their unique talents and treasures. Don't wait for somebody else to bring right. it on. Mm -hmm. You bring it on. And and it's and be creative, be playful. You can't go wrong as long as it's rooted in love and compassion. I love the passion that you have with compassion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sandy, I'm going to jump in here because uh, Sandy's going to be one of the sponsors or have a table at the Peace Sunday program. Um that's going to be celebrated. It's an interfaith festival of peace over the weekend of September 19th and the 20th. Um, the International Day of Peace, as defined by the UN, is September 21st, but we always choose the Sunday that's closest to it to celebrate it. So uh, we wanted to talk about that, and I thought Leland could share that. It's going to be held at uh, two centers. One is the Iman Center in Culver City on Friday, on Saturday, and that's Saturday the 19th. 
where there will be a peace convergence. <clears throat> and then on Sunday at Agape, we will have uh, services, two services where uh, peace will be discussed and um, will be honored. Uh, UDC will be recognized. And then the afternoon, there's a program from 2.30 until 5. But I want to have Leland uh, share with us why we're doing Peace Sunday, what it's all about, and the intention behind it. Well, just to start with the Saturday, <laughs> uh, that has we have had convergences before. A convergent convergent means you start with the greatest diversity and you converge toward the unity. And uh, we're calling this uh, United People's Convergence with the idea that there. Uh, we have a United States, we have a United Nations, what we don't have is a United Peoples. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when Abraham Lincoln said that I, this would not, government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. What we're trying to do, there are huge numbers of individuals, groups, and networks, or three levels, basically, and all of those are, you know, there are different groups that are doing their own thing, and then there are groups of groups. In other words, there are organizations which are bringing groups together. That, that's their job. And our job is what I call a network of networks, that, that we're trying to bring the whole thing together. And so Saturday is an effort. We start with 12 different what we call networks, and... Uh, then in the after, that's in the morning, and in the afternoon, we go into quadrants, which is four things meeting simultaneously. So three of the 12 meet, meet in each of the quadrants, and then at the end of the afternoon, the General Assembly, which is sort of parallel to the United Nations, and the whole idea is to have an ongoing effort that's meeting regularly and becoming increasingly global and trying to help people to solve problems with compassion, mm -hmm. <laughs> with understanding and cooperation. Well, the thing that I like about what everybody's saying, I, I really like this, is that in, in, uh, in, in all of the, the conversation, it's, it's just not just about the community or uh, next door. It's global. I mean, you, you have yes. a global consciousness that mm -hmm. you're, you're trying, not, not that you're trying, that you are tapping into and that you right. are changing. Right. And, and that's a beautiful way to look at it, globally. Yeah, one thing I, right behind you is the globe, right? Yes. Uh, one thing that makes it easier for what we're doing now than in the past is you can visualize the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, therefore you can see it as a whole entity. It makes a lot of and, sense. And uh, that's basically what we're doing. And it, the change is, is the difference between the... United States seeing itself as the only democracy in the world, which it once was, but mm -hmm. not any longer. It's catching on all over. And uh, so the idea is that we need to be moving into this broader space of trying to get along with the rest of the world. And uh, You know, it's, it's, uh, you, you, you were about to say something. I was just giving... Yeah, amen. Yes, amen to that, because... <laughs> The one thing about the, the young people now, they, they really are thinking globally. I mean, because mm -hmm. technology, look at what technology has done for the minds of, a, of, the, young, of the youth now. When you look at a baby, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in, in, a, in a restaurant and someone got a, a six, seven-month-old baby with a little laptop-like looking thingy there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, whoa. So we are in a global time now and, right. and, and for global energy, global global, global consciousness is, is, is right upon us now. Yeah, I do substitute teaching in LAUSD and so many of the kids, you know, come with their iPhones and their <laughs> various things. It's hard to keep them on. The, yes. But they're learning the other way because... Mm -hmm. You know, as you say, it is global, and it's a whole new generation of how to communicate, and so it's and I allowing think, people to. I think that's that's. Out. I think you just brought up a very good point because one of the pro not problem, 
one of the challenges with teaching and working with the youth now, and you said it perfectly that they want the instant gratification, because now when you talk with them, they can get they can look up your uh, your story instantly right, now. They can right. Google you instantly now. Yeah. And you, you know, I was with someone not too long ago. They they were talking to some young people and. And the young person sit there and Google what they were saying and caught them in not so 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 much of the truth. It wasn't true, but that's just the youth that we're dealing with. So we really have to be on top of this now. We do. We have to be really on top of it. Yale University has got a center called the Center for Emotional Intelligence Mm -hmm. that's just for this. Facebook is paying attention to this. Twitter is paying attention. What is it called? The uh, Center for Emotional Intelligence. Emotional intelligence is becoming more of a common phrase for really how to address how Mm -hmm. social media, how how, how easy it is to just break up with someone and over a text message. And you really don't have to face them. You don't have to experience emotion. You don't have to deal Mm. with, you don't have to deal with certain things. You know, we're losing certain um, tendencies of human connection. We're really becoming detached. Yes. And and there's some things, uh, levels of sensitivity that we are losing. Thank you. That's better Uh, put. (laughs) Because what, what happens is when, when you grow up in certain places, you can look around and have hits of what's going on. You, you have a level of understanding about your environment, mm. about people that are walking around you, uh, about how to respond and react to people because you learn some social skills and learn what to look for. But that is something that's not being taught as well these days. So kids are on their computers and they bounce into each other and, right. and, uh, and aren't paying attention to the actual movement, action, and language of people. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a very interesting point, not only from an emotional standpoint, but how they interact mm-hmm. and how they know how to respond to people. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting in a lot of the textbooks in health, they say physical, mental, and social. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, what happened to the moral and spiritual? Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to just say that in regard to Peace Sunday, Uh, The original Peace Sunday was in the Rose Bowl in 1982, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a marvelous event during the time of the nuclear freeze and so on. And uh, so our job, we were handed the materials after the Rose Bowl event by a Korean minister who Mm -hmm. was part of that, and uh, we didn't create that when we worked with the one, the 1978 was um, the great, the one that was planned out of our office. That one mm. was in the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, so this other one was in the Rose Bowl, which had about 100,000 people. And uh, the point is, we're trying to translate this in, into an annual event. Well, you are we translating. Can... I'm, I, <laughs> be, because of the sake of time, we're just about out of time. But I love that story, and I'm going to say you're not trying to translate it. You're translating it. It is done. It's done. As they say, claim it and it's yours. And I know you know that from the the good book there. Yeah, right, from the um, religious science. Yeah, you know, this is is, (laughs) – what what does it call it? Um, uh, Science of mind is all about claiming it. That's right. Metaphysics, metaphysics. It took me a long time to catch up with that. All of this from the words of Jesus, so it's not (laughs) – it is – Re, re-spoken, that's well, all. It, you know, the thing mm-hmm. about it, the ancients laid a foundation the ancients of, for before. us to study and, yes. and build upon R- it. And I think that yes, everyone yeah. said it. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, here again, all of those religions and all of those beliefs when it's in its right place plays a good part. Every, mm-hmm. Everything is a piece of this whole puzzle. And if we get away from just trying to prove everybody right and wrong, I think we'll get closer and closer to understanding each other. Mm-hmm. We're right at the end of this thing. And what I would love to do, well, we got about two minutes now. About two to four minutes now. So I had to check with I had to check with the boss over there. <laughs> and uh, but Carolyn, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off because I when he I, I wanted to respond to what he oh, said. Oh no, I know you're gonna do a round, so Yeah, we've got a few seconds uh-huh. there. But I, I just so appreciate you taking the time to come to the show. And what we try to do here is bring positive messages and 
and uplifting uh, stories and try to get people involved and spiritually and like you said uh, the the uh, the the compassion game you know go out and do something and claim it right that's right bring it bring it on game on game on well we we're at the end of the show so what I'm what we generally do we go around the table and give everybody that that one word the words of wisdom to leave us with. And so we're going to start with you, um, young lady. Please give us a word of wisdom oh. to say, Miss Sandy Hart. My words of wisdom are really just full of gratitude right now, just to be in a state of gratitude for Leland and for Reverend Caroline. But in the beginning of the show, I shared that my personal journey started at Peace Sunday at the Rose Bowl in 1982. <laughs> you remember this. And I 30-something right. yes, years later, I meet Leland. And so thank you, Larry, for bringing this back, bring, yes. bringing this circle back together. So. Right. Um, just to be in a state of gratitude and change the filter in which we you see the world. Look around. Look, check out where the compassion is. I guarantee you, it's right under your nose. Leland, give us just a quick words of of wisdom to say goodbye with. Well, um, I'm thankful for being here, Larry, and I I do feel that we need to get specific. That's what the idea of Saturday is. I want to invite people to come. Also on Sunday to the Agape International Peace uh, Spiritual Center and to share morning and afternoon in the International Day of Peace that we're celebrating. Well, thank you for that. And we will be honored and promoting that. And Carolyn, you want to say something? Thank you so much for that. Yes, I just want to thank you, Larry, for allowing us to be here. Let peace begin with each of us. And this particular Peace Sunday, there are people celebrating all around the nation and the world. So find someone with a celebrating peace on September 20th. And the speakers will not only be Michael Bernard Beckwith at service, but Aisha Mason is the keynote speaker for the afternoon, and I'm one of the speakers also. So we're spreading love and peace and joy. Thank you so much, for everybody, for being here. Time has run out, and I'm just going to say this real quick because they, I, you guys have said, you guys have said it all. I would just say, let's sit down. Let's not always have to be right in a conversation. Let's listen to each other. Sometimes let's move right and wrong out of the way, get the message out of the uh, conversation, and let's learn together. Let's pray together. Let's move together. Let's let's enlighten each other, elevate each other spiritually and consciously together. Remember, a nation can rise no higher than the elevation's woman. This is Larry X. See you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.